0: Grassroots Community Network's 2017 Aspen City Council candidate and election coverage is made possible by a grant from the Thrift Shop of Aspen, where your donations and purchases of clothing and other personal items supports dozens of nonprofits throughout the Roaring Fork Valley.
1: Underwriting for Grassroots Probline series of in-depth candidate discussions is provided by ANB Bank Aspen, a bank like no other, with the strength, talent, commitment, and security to fulfill their business and personal customers' financial needs.
0: A special thanks to Aspen Journalism for partnering with Grassroots on Probline, because well-informed citizens make better decisions. Discover more local in-depth investigative journalism at aspenjournalism.org. It is simple to join these local institutions in supporting grassroots programming. Click the donate button on your next visit to grassrootsTV.org. You can watch this program and thousands of other grassroots programs online at grassrootsTV.org, as well as on cable channel 12, Up Valley, cable channel 82, Down Valley, and free TV channel 12.1, over the Pickin County translator system.
1: Or find a podcast of this discussion and many other informative and inspiring local presentations by clicking the iTunes or SoundCloud icons at the top of grassrootstv.org homepage.
2: Here we sit the table from each other, a thousand miles from both our mothers, barely old enough to rust. Here we sit, pretending both our hearts are anchored, taking candy from these strangers midst the diesel and the dust. And here we sit. Singing words nobody taught us Drinking fire and spitting sawdust Trying to teach ourselves to breathe We haven't yet Every chorus brings us closer Every flyer and every poster Gives a piece of what we need And the sand that they call cocaine Cost you twice as much as gold be better off to drink your coffee black but i swear the land it'll listen to the stories that we told god bless the busted boat that brings us back
3: Welcome to Squirm Night 2017. I'm Carolyn Zacharias and I'm the News Director at Aspen Public Radio. I will be moderating tonight's session, which is part of a decades old tradition established by the Aspen newspapers in an effort to drill down on statements and positions made by candidates running for elected office. This sometimes causes the hopefuls to shift in their seats or squirm a little since they find themselves a bit uncomfortable answering tough questions. So either it's the question or is the answer that will be square. we will start with the six candidates running for Aspen City Council the format will be that candidates will ask each other a, a question directed at one of their opponents at their choosing then the candidates will be asked a series of questions by the newspapers the format will be that the candidates will ask each other a question um, oh sorry that the, the newspapers will ask a question and then that will be followed by questions submitted by citizens um, and social media. You can do the latter by using uh, hashtag squirm night. You can also uh, fill out an index card in the back and hand it to David Krause. He's the editor of the Aspen Times. He's right here. He'll be sifting through those and then handing them to me, those questions. Uh, he's also the keeper of time. Your answers are limited to two, to two minutes, and he will give you a 30-second warning and then a 10-second warning for you to wrap it up. I am here, of course, to make sure you stay on that time frame, and to ask any follow-up questions if necessary. Uh, we will end with a 10-minute, 10, 10 minutes or so of a rapid-fire round, uh, where you'll get questions, and you will be asked to respond to them within 30 seconds. We will wrap up by 6:45 at the latest. Uh, we will begin our Mayoral Squirm at 7 p.m. sharp. Uh, the other ground rule is that please no cheering, clapping, booing after anybody's uh, statements. Um, I will now turn it over to Curtis Wackerly, the editor of the Aspen Daily News, and Rick Carroll, managing editor of the Aspen Times.
4: Thank you, Carolyn. Thanks, candidates, for joining us. Thanks, Grassroots. Thanks, Aspen Times. Thanks, Aspen Public Radio. Uh, We're going to start off with uh, you guys asking questions of each other. As Carolyn explained, you get one question, you can address it to whomever you would like. They have a chance to respond. So um, Art,
5: let's start with you. Um, I do have a question that uh, I've been wondering about. uh, I continue to hear, Ward, that um, you want to see the city manager removed from his office. And I'd kind of like to get a better sense of i kind of like to get a better sense of what that's about and what kind of process would you want to see used uh, to cause that to occur.
6: I have made no statement that I want to see the city manager removed. What I have said um, is that I would like rubrics or matrix set up uh, that we can evaluate the city manager I specifically have stated I'm not coming. I'm not into witch hunts, and I don't want to get on city council with the idea that I want to dump Steve Barwood. I simply believe that we should have um, measurements in place, expectations, and that we can measure his (laughs) performance by his expectations—the expectations that city council has given to him. We, as a policy, our communication to all of the staff goes through. Steve Barwick. So that's by the Home Rule Charter. So if we um, expect to be able to control staff, it has to be through Steve Barwick. He has a long history with uh, in his position, and so as I said, I just believe that we should have um, matrix, a rubric in place, and expectations. And I have made no statement that I want
5: to remove Steve Barwick. Well, I'm delighted to hear that uh, the various comments I've heard in the past are, are not entirely accurate about that. Um, I happen to agree with you that I think Steve Barwick does uh, uh, fine work for our community. And uh, if there's any movement, if there's any, if, if there's any movement afoot to, uh, you know, to hasten his uh, passage from his job, uh, I'd like to hear more about that. Thanks. Well, I-
6: I did sit down with uh, Mayor Scadron two and a half years ago and basically told him the uh, same thing I told you, that I thought that city council should give expectations and matrix. And S- Steve said, well, that no one's ever done that. And I said, well, that's why we're having this conversation. I believe that that should be in place. Do they not do yeah. a review every year?
3: Someone in they 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 can introduce themselves when they speak, Mm -hmm. if you wouldn't mind.
6: My name is Ward Howenstein and I'm responding to Curtis Wackley's uh,
3: (laughs) question. No, it's it's Art (laughs) Daly's. My
6: name's Art Daly. uh, I (coughs) put the initial question out. And then, Curtis, what was your?
4: I'm just pointing out that they do have an annual review now. And I'm just curious if you think there's anything deficient about that process or if you're aware of how it works.
6: Well, it's done in executive session, so I don't know how it goes. Do you think that should be done openly? I think personnel matters can be done in executive session, and the, and the only way they should not be done in executive session is the person that's under review requests that it, not, that it be done in public. I think it would be Steve's, um, Steve's choice, but I do think that we can have a public uh, statement of what expectations and matrix are for um, performance of the job.
2: Okay. Rick, do you want to? Uh, it's
7: Skippy's turn to ask a candidate a question. Sure.
8: Well, um, one, thank you for everyone who showed up. Joe, Paul, um, all of you guys. Really thank you for being here. This is a participatory sport, and it means a lot to have you here. Um, my name is Skippy Mesereau, Um and my question actually is, is also for Ward. Um, Ward, a, a big part of why I got involved in this race was through my years of service, seeing some of the divisiveness, rancor, vitriol that we see elsewhere seeping into our politics here. And I really wanted to systematically push back against that. We've talked about that, and and you've agreed. (coughs) Um, And I'm wondering, now seeing some of that present, uh, people showing up at Ann's house, Facebook posts, really nasty emails. I'm actually wondering what we could do to work on together pushing back against this. And I would like specific things we could do. And I would pledge to work with you starting tomorrow.
6: Well, first of all, we only have control really over our own actions. So something that somebody else does without my knowledge or somebody else does without your knowledge is beyond your control, beyond your knowledge. So we we can't control what we don't know about. and what, So it's up to the community. And really, ultimately, all we can really control is ourselves. And our, the people that that are around us, we, we try to um, express to them that we don't want any of that. I'm totally unaware of anybody that uh, um, that has worked on my campaign, is associated with me doing anything um, detrimental, negative. Um, I do know that um, Elizabeth Milius um, did make some pointed remarks And she does that, and I have no control over her. Uh, So, I um, I take a pledge that I will uh, revert to no um, negative campaigning. I won't uh, call anybody out. I will be a gentleman in all aspects.
8: And and I um, just to follow up, thank you for that. And I I don't for a second think that you have anything to do with it. It wasn't directed at you for any reason other than you've expressed the desire to make our process more positive. But it, it seems to me that you know, bad things happen when good people fail to act. That is a lesson of history. And I feel like we should be proactively standing up against these things, even if we had nothing to do with them. But when we see the evidence, when we see the emails received, when we see signs posted on doors, and I'm wondering if there's anything proactive you'd be willing to work with me on.
6: Well, I'm, this is going out to everybody on the radio and grassroots. I ask anybody and everybody not to revert to those type of tactics. But, uh, it has, I think, no place in um, in a campaign at the nearest level to you, which is uh, city council. And I don't believe it has any place in a state, county, or national campaign. Thank you. Uh, all right, Ward, it's your turn. Um, my question is to Art. Um, are, you've been in office now, a well, whole term, almost four years. Um, I've sent over 30 emails to you, um, and I know a lot of people that have sent emails to you, and no one has received a reply. Nobody that I know has received a reply to any of those emails. And my question is, do you read the emails, and do, do you reply
5: to any of the emails? I wasn't aware that you were sending me emails. I think you're using the wrong server. I uh, I have my own personal you know it's com. I don't use the city hall uh, logo, which I think other council members use. No reason to. I mean, when I began working, in this, you know, on, at this table, I was using that email address, and uh, everyone I work with knows about it. Except the public. But the, 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 you're publicly. Yeah, I wasn't published. aware that the public didn't know. How is somebody to
6: know? I mean. Everybody I know uses, they go to the, the city website. And if you want to email city council, this, these are your email addresses. Um, Ann, Ann and I have certainly had some uh, good email exchanges. And all of the other uh, people that sit at this table have responded. And and I, I, I think that, uh, for me, I pledge to always respond to emails. And I think that that's the way that people communicate with uh, city councilmen is through their publicly published email address.
5: well I respect that and the, <laughs> truth of the matter is I had no idea that you were sending me emails that I wasn't getting private can, can,
3: can, let's, we, let's, we, let's we've, we've got the ones can for, there you,
5: got, go. can you
4: are, are can you maybe explain why you don't use your city email you know I was pub- just uh, I used
5: the one at, at my law firm for so long that I just continued using it and uh, you know City Hall is fully aware of it, I get you know, emails from Linda Manning and anyone else that wants to communicate with me. I didn't realize. Except the public. It. Perhaps that's the truth, but I didn't realize that he wasn't getting it. Had I found out about this any earlier, it would, would have been corrected then.
6: Perhaps the uh, city email server could set up an auto forward to your private email address. That would probably solve it. <laughs> <laughs> quickly. Where's the IT department? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Something says to me that maybe Art will use his city address.
5: <laughs> if he's elected. I, I could certainly switch over to that too. It's not a problem.
9: For city matters. All right, thanks guys. Tori? Thanks. Uh, my name is Tori, and first I want to wish health and happiness to everybody. Thank you to the Times, Daily News, Grassroots, Assam Public Radio, and of course everybody that's watching. Uh, I'm going to direct my question to Ann. Uh, And uh, during this campaign, you've been touting your 25 years of urban planning experience in Denver uh, as uh, a skill set that you have. And my question for you is, has that been a benefit or has that been part of your decision making in items like Base 2 or the Lodging Incentive Package and others which have been repealed by public action? Um, I consider Aspen more of a urban or herbal kind of place. (laughs) that's what, what variety? <laughs> Not that herbal Skippy. Uh, so I, I'm just wondering. You know, uh, we we worked together on a couple of the items that are in the land use code, and I'm just wondering. You, you do refer to your experience in Denver, but I find Aspen to be a little bit different than that. I'm just wondering if that experience is what has directed your decision making.
10: Okay, um, a couple of things, just for clarification. I did. Oh, I'm Ann. For your benefit, I'm Ann Mullins. City Council member. Not courage, <laughs> you behind you. Um uh, oh, so I, I did support base two and uh, if I have more than two minutes I could explain why I still support it. I think it was very good conceptually, I think maybe our execute execution was not entirely correct. Um ordinance nineteen I was I did vote against. So uh, that I saw some of the mistakes in that and voted against it right away, but uh, and then promoted the small lodge uh, ordinance, which has been utilized by probably seven or eight <coughs> lodges in town. So that's been quite successful. So that clarification for those two things. Um, 25 years experience, yes, 25 years in Denver, but unfortunately I'm a lot older than that, so I've had another 15 years experience in Aspen. So the experience in Denver, uh, it was a firm that was based in Denver. We did national work. Uh, Part of that was was overseeing at our largest 50 employees, so I needed to constantly be updated on all um, the latest and greatest and what was going on within our uh, design, uh, within landscape architecture and urban design across the country, whether large city or rural areas. We had projects across the country, we had every size project, every type of project. Then I moved to Aspen. Uh, obviously, have concentrated before city council when I was in HPC, and just because of the interest um, you know I have, this is my career, have um, continued to educate myself on issues far and wide, not just Denver. So I do think it it um, beneficially informs what I do on council. Aspen is quite unique, unique to any other mountain town. I spend a lot of time going to conferences where I look at what other mountain towns are doing, and I can bring that back to Aspen. Uh, so I do think the experience, not just 25 years of running a firm in Denver that did national work, but um, time's up another 15 years here. Sorry. Thank you. Yep.
7: And you can now ask a question of the candidates.
10: Oh, OK. Um, so Ann Mullins, uh, Ward, <laughs> getting picked out hey. a little bit. Um, Victorian Ward, you are closely aligned with BERT, whether you see it that way or not, between posts and and, uh, emails and Facebook. So this has to do something with um, that perceived alignment. Um, In the last year, City Council has adopted uh, the most comprehensive alignment of the AACP and the Land Use Code since we implemented the AACP. Of the five ordinances, that we've already voted on today. We have one more to go. Of the five ordinances we voted on today, uh, BERT has voted against four of them, uh, including uh, the ordinance which uh, keeps the height downtown at 28 feet and reduces the FAR down feet. If elected, would you join BERT in, uh, and I have to, much of this was in response to the infill ordinance, all 16 of which Tory voted yes on. if elected, will you join Bert in reversing um, our decisions of the last year to update the Land Use Code? I checked the voting record.
9: Right. Oh, that's great. It's kind of a question for both of us, so I, I would. Well, ask, no, it's directed at Ward. You know, I'd well, I'd ask for some response if I can, guys. That's fine. Thank you.
6: Uh, Bert has uh, has helped me a little bit with um, campaign uh, advice, and that's the extent of it. Um, and I appreciate that advice. I am not aligned with BERT. I have there are no strings attached. I am my own person. I look at issues. I look at the way I solve a problem is I, first of all, define the problem. I look at it from as many different angles as I can, from input from as many different viewpoints as possible. Then I try to figure out what the outcome is. What, do we aim, what are we aiming to do? And then I look at possible solutions and the implications of those solutions. I think uh, the ComDev Department has done a great job with realigning the land use code with the Aspen Area Community Plan. I would not get on council and overturn those decisions.
9: Good to know. <laughs> Tori. do you want to respond? Yeah, just real quickly. Um, I've heard this from other Ann Mullen supporters about my support for infill legislation that happened
10: what was the date on that? 2003 to 2005.
9: In a very different time. Um, I am extremely proud of my service at this desk and during the infill, uh, I actually worked to lower heights, increase pedestrian open space and do a lot of things that improved our commercial core and I continue to do that. Um, you know, no, I, I, there is no alignment with myself and Bert, no, I do not plan to get on and overturn any of the land use code decisions that you've made. I do intend to add to them. I think there were some missed opportunities, uh, talking about affordable housing downtown and disincentivizing the certificate program there, I think was a failure, Uh, and some other mistakes that I think that we still need to work on the land use code. So uh, you know, there is no coalition or alliance that is going on. I I really do appreciate BERT's support in this election and on a lot of issues. Um, But no, I sit independently at this table.
6: I, I would like to also state that I have not talked to Tory until yesterday. Uh, we spoke yesterday at the um, Accra uh, interview and at the business lunch, and those are the only two times during this election cycle that we have spoken with each other. Oh, tonight.
3: That's true.
6: Yeah. Well,
10: can I rebuttal? No. <laughs> what? That they would just... talk to each other? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking to you guys. Talking to the public. <laughs> um, no, I just said uh, there is a very strong perceived uh, perception that you guys are aligned and. It's it's out there. And Tori, just for the infill, I know you were responding to certain situations at the time, but when you look yes. at some of the buildings we're still going to get downtown, they are a result of the infill legislation that was done I, at that time.
9: Absolutely. And that's why years uh, ago like I fought fortunate. for the lowered heights downtown and that the this council just caught up with that last year is really makes me happy. So thank you very much. And okay. again,
6: and we can let's, only control what we have let's move control on. over.
3: <laughs> yep. Curtis. Flora's back to you. Sue <laughs> Tatum.
11: Well, this is my first squirm night. <laughs> Mine,
10: too. Mine, too. Mine, too. And,
11: and I just Boy, came from uh, the opening of the, the red brick uh, show for children's art. So I sort of feel like I've been squirming for a couple hours before I got here. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I really have a question for any one person. Surely you must.
3: It on. Don't call her Shirley. <laughs> Sue, do you have a question for one of the one of your opponents? No, oh. save some time.
12: <laughs> All right then.
3: Okay, then that brings us to questions from the newspapers, so Rick, you want to go first?
7: Yeah, um, I'm gonna start with Skippy. Um, Skippy, John Sarpa, who is here, hi, John, is uh, one of your most prominent developers and is also helping you on your city council campaign. Please explain how you will objectively review land use applications when one of your most vocal advocates is also a developer with
8: ties to the development community, both in Aspen nationally and globally. That is a very fair question. I will do it exactly as I did in my two and a half years on PNZ, which is objectively, based on a long-term vision for the community, and certainly not with a record of being pro-growth. Uh, one, my team of advisors was picked specifically as a team of rivals, people who could bring differing perspective. John is one of those. We've also got David Hoogie, who represents the nonprofit community, David Hoogie, Michelle Kylie from the food and beverage community, Chris, uh, Chris Klug, who is our treasurer, um, the athletic community, so we really tried to bring in a diverse set of viewpoints. Um, I'm not the pro-development guy up here. My record is clear on that. If anything, because I am younger, I bring new tools and perspectives to the table. Um, I think we can be a lot smarter with our development. I think we can do more. We can innovate in smaller packages. We can leverage things like the sharing economy. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity for a better, uh, more functioning Aspen that actually reduces our mass and scale. Your
7: image was on a base two flyer. Yes, uh, it was Lodge, um, which went down two to one basically. Correct. Um, do you do you still believe that that was a solid development that voters missed the boat on? Yeah.
8: Um, one, that flyer was a. Uh, as much of a surprise to me as anybody. Um, But I was a supporter of base two, absolutely. And I recognize that there was a significant feeling in the community that was the wrong project in the wrong place. But I think we need to begin to look at projects more holistically. We've done a great job as a community of looking at just the bricks and mortar, our built environment. But we need to start focusing in addition to on the human environment. How do these things affect the community? And what we've seen in our lodging base for, a number of years is an erosion on the low end and an increase in just high-end. And if we have a town that is all the little now, we will not have a town in 50 years. And so the trade-off of some setbacks was in that instance worth it to me for what would have been, in my view, one of the more affordable hotels in the future. Um, that's not the case and I look at each project individually.
7: Well, excuse me, you didn't know about your image being used
8: until not until I received I? it when when we we uh, there was a, a group of us who um, who were asked to come uh, be on camera mm-hmm. for base 2 and at the time uh, we were asked if they, that could be used um, and I, I granted my approval for that I didn't know I was actually going on a mailer until it came into my inbox but I gave my approval to be used
4: okay. what one final thing on this point point here and we can move on would you feel the need to recuse yourself if uh, if john was sitting at that table representing a project seeing as he has been
8: volunteering and working on your campaign um i would consult with jim true but i don't feel like i have any particular reason to have a slight because somebody helped just like every single person up here has multiple people helping with their campaign and i think the same is true okay
4: <clears throat> i'll
8: direct this next question at art
4: um or do you regret the council's flip-flop on the Aspen power plant proposal and you know just pointing out that it seemed like there was a lot of pressure coming from uh, interested neighbors and they seemed to get council uh, to bend to their will
5: that's really not what caused the council to change its position the uh, and no I don't regret the decision we made although I must say it was one of the tougher ones we made because um, we had we we felt originally that there was a, a good yeah that we felt that originally that there was a good um synergy in what that group was proposing and uh, even to this day I think had that gone forward the way it was originally proposed it could very well have been in the best interest of the community but it uh, the game changed gradually during the process and the applicant couldn't, you know, remain consistent with its proposals to us, and uh, we just found ourselves increasingly uncomfortable with the direction it was going, and we finally decided just to pull the plug on it. It uh, wasn't going to work the way we had hoped it would.
4: So it wasn't the it wasn't the neighbors applying pressure. It was the applicant being inconsistent.
5: That was not certainly wasn't what affected my decision at the end there. Yeah, there was there was, you know, opposition from some of the neighbors. Uh, frankly, we we heard some of it, um, but we were much more concerned with will would this, you know, this plan, is it going to work the way it's evolving and shifting around? It's not the it was not the plan that we originally approved. Thank
3: you. Can I follow up really quick? What what changed? What was, what were you not comfortable with? The, as, it cha- as it moved along?
5: First of all, we weren't able to, uh, as I understand, we weren't able to uh, achieve any kind of a leasehold arrangement with them. Uh, the rental commitments were uh, shifting. Um, the proposed uses of the building were beginning to uh, shift and change. We'd been pretty excited about you know, what the original proposal was, and it would just... It it was just a a gradual shift away from the community values we thought were being supported with the original approval.
7: Thanks. Um, yeah, this is for Ann. We're going to talk base two a little more, <laughs> um, and uh, likewise, you supported base two. Um, so how can in, again it was defeated by two one margin? How can you say that you're in touch with the voters of Aspen? When it was rally rejected by the voters
10: I see the background on this we we were responding originally to a report that said we were uh, quickly using uh, losing our bed base especially in affordable lodges and you saw lodges shutting down lodges being uh, scraped and turned into residential uh, properties so our response was to come up with ordinance nineteen, which was way too aggressive and as I said before it um, it focused on newer lodges bigger lodges um, but the height was a problem and uh, affordable housing mitigation primarily Um, I voted against that we you know my idea was to to focus on the small lodges get them up to speed and then see what kind of uh, base we had then a lot of property was being acquired by Mark Hunt. We wanted to kind of control a little bit what was going on, so the mayor started to talk with him about, you know, perhaps it's a good place for a lodge on Main Street. And to me, that is for an affordable lodge, what better place than on Main Street? You don't want it in the middle of a residential community. Um, so we went ahead with that. But I think by this time, the, um, the citizens had a little bit of had sticker shock from Ordinance 19, a couple of other buildings that started to go up downtown. We were still going on the premise that we needed to increase the bed base in town and support the um, you know people who came in and couldn't stay at St. Regis, um, at the Ritz, at Little Nell, and um, so we went ahead with that proposition. Too many variances. We didn't we didn't assess the whole situation properly. Um, I think it would have been a good project, but we uh, it got a little bit out of hand. Well, why time. do you think
4: it was so roundly rejected by the public?
10: Um, again, like I said, there was some sticker shock. A few things, you know, the things were coming up downtown. People were objecting to the art museum. They were objecting to the uh, the core building or the orange building, as we call it. Um, and all of a sudden, and, you know, it was kind of a skewed campaign. They were There was no parking originally. City's fault. He, Mark Hunt, came back and provided parking, but it was after the fact, so that wasn't quite clear. Um, We increased the FAR to accommodate the lodging, and people saw that, somehow thought that was going to be a bigger building. Also, there were other people. There were people that voted against it because they didn't want the competition. I heard a comment that someone didn't want a two-star hotel in our five-star town. Uh, Someone else didn't want to lose the gas station. It was very, um, seconds? Ten seconds. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say minutes. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. It, it, There were a lot of reasons, lots people, of reasons. I, th- lots of confusion, especially the woman who told me I voted against it because I want to keep that Conoco.
7: But do you recognize <laughs> that, that uh, there were a number of voters who rejected it because they were disappointed <clears throat> with the process in which the council approved it in the first place? I'm
10: not, not. I'm not sure the process was any different than anything else except for that well,
7: The variances <laughs> parking. that were given.
10: Well, the variances. that At that time, we could give variances. And we were doing the variances were setbacks, uh, two and a half foot of feet of height, primarily the parking and the FAR were the things that were objected to. And the, the parking, as I said, was sloppily done. We should have resolved that before we passed it. The FAR was to accommodate the affordable lodging uh, purpose. It was not going to make... The, the box of the building any larger? Let's move on. Yep, right. Move on to the next <clears throat> question.
4: <clears throat> Let's see, where to go next? <laughs> um, we were just talking about the, uh, the power plant, so uh, maybe we can stick with that a little bit. Tori, this question is for you. You've been very critical of the process um, and that whole uh, scenario some would call it a debacle um, I think I did <laughs> how would you have done it differently I, I, and, and what and what should the ultimate use be for that space
9: I, I recommend it, it, it this process went on for years as we started to learn of the art museum moving out you know we, we started to plan ahead years before they they actually vacated uh, from the very beginning uh, my recommendation was to clean the building up get it functioning and then return it to our community I thought what we could have done there was organically decided what was going to be a tenant there. And uh, I thought we had the opportunity to have not just uh, the applicants that ended up really kind of getting the chance to move in there and then have that pulled out from under them, but whether it was the brewery for an F&B server, whether it was the science center that could have done events there on a bi-monthly basis, monthly basis, whatever they would have wanted, the incubator space could have gone upstairs. Uh, you know, we could have really activated that space. You could add yoga classes there. We could have really kind of used it as a multifunction center and let it organically grow into into the uses that we're probably going to stay there forever. My, you know, my preference would have been just that. I, I was looking forward to to uh, community picnics and dances and, you know, opportunities for us, our community to reconnect down there. And I, I thought that that's really what should have happened is that we should have returned that building to real public usage, at least for a, a while, at least for five years.
3: Follow-up, how would you have done that organically? I mean, are you... So are you saying no RFP process then, and how would you make that fair? Selection?
9: So so uh, as that building was coming online, you know, the city was talking about who's going to manage that. And really you're talking about is something as easy as a public space, public venue that could be calendared. You know, we're talking about shared space, uh, a, a yoga instructor or, um, you know, whatever kind of function in that. They don't need it 24-7. They just need it for their classes and things like that. So it really would have been a function of just calendaring and scheduling people in there to utilize it. Under the city's... Yes, uh, absolutely. Hey, that's a public building. We all own that building. So yes, uh, the city would have had to have a manager that can calendar that. But I thought that a lot of user groups could have gotten in there and had a real benefit from that building. All right.
7: Sue, you failed to answer some candidate questions from the Aspen Times because, as you stated, you had no opinion on the question being asked. So if you don't have an opinion about some of the city's most pressing issues, such as the potential damming of the Castle and Maroon Creeks and how to improve government, then why should voters cast their ballots for you?
11: Well, I do have a, have opinions. I just wasn't prepared to answer the questions at the time. And there were a few, few questions where I felt I hadn't studied them enough. I actually got a call from my high school sweetheart uh, asking me my opinion about the dam question. <laughs> and so we had a discussion about whether I should give my true answer or not. And he was advising that I soften it a bit. And
3: uh, We certainly don't want the fake answer. So, well, he-
11: you're <laughs> gonna give the feel, so I'm going I'm to give you the real answer, which see. is that I doubt that I will, would ever vote for any reason to put dams on either of those creeks.
7: What about the government? Um, How do you think Aspen government could be improved? That was one of the questions you didn't answer.
11: Well, I've I've lived in a lot of different places, and Aspen has better government than those places. So we always feel there's room for improvement, but we have a democratic process, and you just elect different people if you don't like the way it's working.
7: I won't ask you where you've lived before here so
11: <laughs> oh many many places 17 18 different places
4: do another round here um yeah i, I believe Skippy's the only
8: one who hasn't received a direct question so I'm... mine was the first one but i would love a second oh
4: that's right okay i have a ward has not Maybe okay your best i can shot. take wards if you want <laughs> i'm feeling ready <laughs> all right ward um <clears throat> you uh led the charge, helped lead the charge against base two. You were successful in that that, and it was based on not meeting the zoning. Um, However, you have been fairly complimentary toward the Gorsuch House proposal. Uh, You called the design beautiful. Um, That, of course, is uh, is being planned for land that is currently zoned for a couple of single family homes. Um, So how do you square your opposition to base two with Um, you know what's been a fairly um, positive stance toward development in the Conservation
6: zone District? Um, I'm not a cheerleader for Gorsuch House. I have never endorsed it. I'm not on any of the full page ads with uh, names for endorsement. Um, Basically, base two rezoned that lot. It it gave two and a half times. It's not just a setback variance. Two and a half times, no on-site parking, a whole ton of uh, variances. Um, you know, we have boundaries, we have barriers that we set up that are to be honored. Um, countries go to war and uh, by not honoring those, and we went to war on base, too. Um, as far as rezoning from conservation to lodge, uh, it's up to the community to decide. There's still issues that are unresolved for me on Gorsuch House. Uh, the uh, textures, the uh, uh, submission that uh, Norway Island LLC submitted on the 27th uh, for many hours right here. Uh, I don't. I think the first thing that Steve Skadron said after the presentation by uh, Gorsuch House is, wow, it's beautiful. So I, I don't feel I have to defend myself for saying that it's uh, a beautiful project. <clears throat> I don't know if that's the right place for it. I don't know if it's, if it's small enough. Um, but And the textures they showed were really amazing. Uh, the Brown brothers asked for it to be in lodge zone. When, they, when Gorsuch House came back, they put it in lodge zone. They put it within the dimensions that conform to lodge zone. So it has to be resolved.
3: Did you get a sufficient answer? I guess I, 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 I just
4: I just want to know that, that the concern you expressed over the, the size and the mass of the Base 2 project, that you will apply that same standard, which was pretty harsh, in a lot of people's opinion, to the Gorsuch House.
6: Well, they're two different places. One of them is right downtown on Main Street uh, in a zone that is for a transition zone, and the other is at the base of a ski mountain that um, around the world is a place where you have public vibrancy, where you have lodges, where you have uh, nice lifts. So I'm I'm open to Gorsuch House. We're looking at economic viability of a, a ski town for the next generation or 50 years.
3: Thanks. Rick, do you have a question? Uh,
7: yeah, Tori. Um, yes. You've noted um, the bag ban is one of your you, you're proud of that legacy while on council um, being part of that instrumental in that legislation um, but it's undisputed that the airport is the biggest generator of uh, waste for lack of better words um, as a councilman how would you use your influence regarding the airport expansion as it progresses through pick and
9: Uh you know I actually took part in some of those uh, original public outreach meetings that they had um, uh, my concerns at the airport right now are really about community character. Um, the environmental footprint that we have out there is uh, definitely an issue that we should be tackling, but I don't know that I, I have the information or the program to offset the carbon footprint of the, the airport and the jet travel that we have here. Um, I hope to keep working on environmental issues and maybe get to a, a level of knowledge that I can impact that. But that's a tough one. So on the econo- uh, on the environmental side of it, uh, I, I don't know how much I can lend to that discussion, but I'd be glad to take part in it. As far as the airport expansion itself, I'm I'm concerned about it. Uh, as I said, no, priority number one is community character. I think a lot of us that live here and visit here are, are concerned about what that's going to feel like, what that's going to look like, and really how it's going to operate once it's opened up. Having just recently been out to the airport, um, you know, I I know that there's some improvements that need to be made there, without a doubt. The back of house, if you want to call it that, is really in in dire need of some upgrades. Uh, But I question about a uh, two-floor expansion of the airport with uh, gangways, jetways, whatever you want to call them, to get to your plane service. Uh, I'm I'm concerned about the size and the scope of that, and I would definitely want to take a, a part in that discussion but I don't know that from the council table we're gonna to have too much impact on it
7: do you think the bag ban is having its desired effect it is and well, not a ban but uh, you know the, the fee it's it's in Supreme Court now the well, state Supreme Court but um,
9: the bag ban it's such, it's very interesting that such a, a what I consider a, a small environmental act has really garnered so much attention um, first of all on the fee I, I disagreed with the fee I didn't think that we really needed to be charging for the bags Um, I think the program is admirable. I think the the funds do go to a great uh, resource that needs to be enhanced. But I wasn't for the the fee on the bags. Um, It is just a step forward. We need to continue thinking like that and moving forward with other programs like the water bottle program that the city started years ago, etc. You know, my whole thing is not about people not having a bag to carry their groceries home in. My problem was that they are made out of a petroleum-based plastic product that you can see lining our highways in our rivers and in our wilderness areas. We can do better. We could make those bags out of a biodegradable material. But unless the public and the buying public reinforces that, those companies don't have any ambition to do that.
3: Thank you. Curtis, do you have a question?
4: I'll direct this at Ann. This is about the dams. All right.
10: Can I answer the airport question? (laughs) (laughs) I do have some comments on that. (laughs) Um,
4: I'm going to ask this question. Oh, okay. Just just checking. (laughs) Is the city telling the state water court one thing and the public another in this process? And isn't the diligence filing that you supported uh, based on the premise that the city can and will eventually someday build the dams, yet everyone is on the record saying they don't really want to see that happen? So which is it?
10: (sighs) Right, so um, answering your question in the um, the paper, the first thing I said is the last thing I want to see is a, a dam up there. What we're doing, and it gets, it, it. you know, I've learned over the last three years how incredibly complicated this question is. And now I only have two minutes. Uh, <laughs> Less than- yeah, yeah, there's no. Yeah. Um, so there's a very, there's a thread between our water rights and the way we're going to store the water. Right now, the solution for storing the water is two big dams that are going to store 13,000 acre feet of water up Castle and Maroon Creek. What we're doing is filing these applications so that we can continue to take a look at do we really need that much water? Um, Can we get water from other sources, from wells, from um, additional water rights that we can pick up? Can we continue our conservation, our really robust conservation efforts so we use less water? And can we find another location? You know, we get that information. Is there another location? Is there another way to store the water other than the dams? But until we come up with an alternative, we can't can't cut this thread or we're going to lose the water rights. And it's, as I said, complicated. No one has been able to guarantee to me that if we don't have those rights, that somebody else from the Front Range or the Western Slope is not going to come in and get those water rights for their use, as they have in other uh, mountain areas. So I'm looking at this where this is a, a problem with storage. Right now, we have a solution on the books. It's not one we want to do. So we have six years, but now we're closer to a year and a half. Um, to take a look at what the alternatives are for storing that water and quantity of water.
3: So are you just holding your nose then when you're going to the state
10: and saying we intend to build dams? Currently that's what the application is but if we can present an alternative then we do a different filing. So yes that's that's what the application says but it's a placeholder at this point and we are we can at any time when we find a better solution Propose that.
7: Okay. Rick, where are we in the uh, process in terms of uh, lightning <laughs> round? Oh, right.
3: we we you you still have four questions from you. Okay. Two, and then we go to audience and social media questions, and then lightning round.
7: Okay. Thanks.
3: Still got some time. <laughs>
7: okay. Well, I think yeah. they bugged our offices because they okay. asked a lot of our questions right. already. <laughs> <in my laughs> um, but we knew Bert was in there for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> Ward. Uh, you recently referred uh, to Skippy as a force of nature. <laughs> did he? He did. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Thanks.
5: Not so bad. <laughs> Thanks for
7: I'm lobbing one up to you. So um can you expand on that? Yeah, sport, that would be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I
8: don't think I need to. <laughs> All right, Skippy. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Uh, you know, actually, I, I, I've had a, a great relationship with Ward over time. We've had some really fantastic conversations. We share a love of Star Wars, which is a little weird. And West Wing. Um, and West Wing. Um, I think the same is true with everyone at this table. And I do pour a ton of time into this community, whether it's chairing PNZ, chairing Next End, nonprofits that I've started. I pop up in a lot of places because I was raised, my mom is in the audience, really to care about service and others. And it's been a real honor to be able to dig in here. And I'm really grateful for people like Ward I've been able to work with.
4: Can I try another question on Ward? <laughs> 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 uh, let's You're, talk about your mother's
6: responsible
4: for that. <laughs>
8: Thanks, mom. <laughs>
13: um,
4: yeah, I don't know. What she... I, I do want to ask this question of um, Skippy. Um, among the things you say in your campaign rhetoric is you want to modernize democracy. And best I can tell, that means uh, making it easier to bring more people into the process. Is that a fair uh,
8: summary? I think that's part of it, but it's definitely a cliff note, not a summary. Okay. Um,
9: well,
4: I guess I, I struggle with that a little bit because, um, I mean, shouldn't the Democratic Process be, it's currently structured, and isn't there something good about it being structured toward giving people who take the time to show up um, perhaps a louder
8: voice? I think that when our founders constructed our democracy, they thought long and hard about how it would function. And I think in many ways, they were sort of the progenitors of crowdsourcing. They decided that one person doesn't know everything, but we're better when we can get a bunch of information data feedback from a lot, and feed that into a decision-making process, an executive process that can ultimately make decisions. And now, 250 years after it was started, we have not kept up with the expectations of people in an age where we can do business across the globe or order socks overnight. It hasn't kept up. So I think the answer is we need more participation. We need a government that actually represents all of us not just some of us and not just those who can and kudos to those who do really I appreciate you but not just those who can show up for a 10-hour meeting during a workday we should use not only technology to expand that reach but we also have to change the way that the actual structure happens if if enfranchisement is what we want and not disenfranchisement then it doesn't make a lot of sense to have our election day on the single lowest occupancy, or within the single lowest occupancy time of the year. Good luck, Skippy. We've yeah. done, we've been down that road. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have, but you know what? Just because you fail once doesn't mean you can't try again, and doesn't mean you can't succeed, Carolyn. True. There are a variety of ways we can approach this. Communication is a big one. We expect people to come to us. It's your job as an elected official to reach out proactively to people. I mean, that's how people like Rich Lai, who here is in the room, hi Rich, in the 50s as a graduate student, helped create one of our most cherished places in town, which is the walking mall, we should be empowering more rich lives, not putting up walls or inhibitions. So, uh, no, I think it's much more than the cliff note and I think there's a lot we can do.
4: I mean, is, is, do you, is this a process where you are having people, uh, you're know, taking community surveys before you make a decision? I mean, what does this actually look like?
8: I think we do that. Um, we do that and, and I should also say, in deference to the um, public servants we have here, our community does a great job relevant to most. We're already working on a lot of these things, but we're not there yet. The way I know we're not there yet is two-thirds of the people don't vote, so we're failing. Frankly, we have a council that all comes from the same relative demographic, so we're failing. I think we can do better. To your question specifically, I think we should have a single digital app-based platform where people can go on and interact in a variety of ways. One place you know where you can go if you find a pothole or a lost dog or something wrong when you're working in the kitchen, somewhere to report that, but also to interact, whether it's with land use policy or a new proposed project, you should be able to go on, add edits, suggestions, have those visible critically, also visible to the entire community, trackable, quantifiable. And that actually empowers good decision making because now if I'm Anne or Tori or Ward, and I'm up here, I not only can look at the five people who sat last in front of me, but I can point to a record of the 195 who over the last two months had a substantive impact on their community.
3: Thank you. We're going to move on to audience questions and questions that have come in over social media. If you do have a question, there are index cards in the back, just write it out and you can bring it to David Krauss, who's the editor of the Aspen Times. And I'm going to read a couple now that have come through social media. And just so we can get through a lot, if you can try to limit your question, your answer to one minute, that would be great. Um, the first question is going to be for everyone. And it's pretty simple, straightforward question, which is, we have all, we have long held the goal of housing 60% of our workers. Do you support this goal? Please offer three ways to accomplish. Sue, I'll start with you.
11: Well, it may be... Uh impractical to set a exact percentage I guess as a goal it's not quite an exact percentage I understand about the housing that they are building some more but they don't feel that they can build build themselves out of the problem of increased demand uh, ever so I think they need to have some creative solutions and uh, they seem to have way too many rules. I would like to see the the uh, all of the employees, when in whatever type of housing, have have more control over their own use of the housing, and that if they, especially if they want to do something like rent a room uh, to a new employee coming in, that they're able to. Okay. And
3: okay, sixty percent of the workforce housed.
10: OK, so recently we increased the mitigation rate from 60 to 65%. Uh, we also got rid of some of the credits downtown for um, scrape and replace projects, so that's increasing it. We are uh, actively supporting the housing credit program uh, for houses. We've got 50 coming, about 50 units coming online in the next two years, another 80 by 2020. And we're getting a, an enforcement officer for the housing, APSHA, and a new database so we can actually really accurately track our units, the condition of our units, and um, HOA, capital reserve, all the issues that people are having a hard time managing at this point. So that's how I support it.
9: Tori? I think we need to keep in mind that uh, that's a snapshot number, 60% as we um, go through more growth. If you keep on growing that 60%, that just keeps going up, uh, never-ending circle there. Uh, I am all for integrated housing. Uh, I was disappointed about disincentivizing the certificate program downtown. Uh, I think we still have opportunities for new housing, creating new housing. But uh, what we really need to do is also stand behind our resident partners now. You know, for example, Centennial and and the struggles that they've gone through. I think that the city should have been there for them a little bit more. Uh, It's not their fault about the construction quality that happened 35 years ago with their buildings. And we need to stand behind our partners. Uh, Ann talks about some of the... The projects that are coming online, but you know, we also need to be careful about quality of life issues. I've seen some of the projects that are being proposed, and uh, the density and the capacity of the properties that they're looking at putting them on have some question about what can really be uh, taken on that kind of a site. Um, you know, I think there's a lot both for our existing program and new and creating new units out there. Thanks,
3: Ward.
6: The first thing we need is information. We have to have all the data points before we come up with um, with a solution. there I, I think that um, Ann mentioned it, that uh, our, the information we have on the um, 2,900 uh, workforce housing units is, incon- is incomplete. We're running into a problem with gentrification as people retire. So optimization, we have to know what the numbers are. We have to optimize the assets that we have. We have between $1 and $2 billion in workforce housing assets. That's, that's, that's tremendous. Um, we lead the way, and I see Mick Ireland in here who led the way for this for decades. Um, so we need information, optimization of the program. We can't build 600 units in the next 20 years, and that's what projections are. So we have to optimize the units that we have through intelligent use of the information.
3: Thank you. Skippy?
8: Yeah, um, one, completely agree on optimizing and accountability. You asked for three, I'll try and give you three unique ones. One, we need to actually look at new products in the affordable housing market. I often see us responding to the needs of 20 years ago when guidelines were written as opposed to the needs of 20 years for now the desires of my generation, which are not for everyone, but they are for some in the community, can allow us to build housing that is greener, that is cleaner, that houses more people with a smaller footprint, so new products. Uh, Secondly, we really need to be thinking about this as a valley-wide issue. We need coordination throughout our valley. Um, I think that's gonna be really critical to the success of not just Aspen, but our entire broad community. Um, And then uh, third, um, I think I think we need to. Um, sorry, I apologize. There it is. Um, <laughs> um, those those would be the two unique What's ones. What's on the floor? What's that? My notes. I didn't want to keep them up here and bother everybody.
3: <laughs> Am I bothering you? No. Art. He's writing on me. <laughs> Art. Uh, questions 60% no, on the question is, sixty percent. No, I think the workforce is that enough in three ways to provide more.
5: I think that might be a goal. It it might be beyond our means. Um, but, I—it's clear that we, it, we're all—we would all benefit from an updated evaluation of our existing system, and the quality and, you know, character of our present housing situation. Um, we have one of the most uh, exceptional affordable housing programs in the country. There's no question about it. And I, I'm a huge fan of it. And I'd like to see us do everything we can to improve upon what we have to begin with and to be sure that the people that are benefiting from the program are the right people um, and I don't think there's actually a lot of um, you know abuse of the system but I think from my understanding my my thought is there's probably a lot less abuse than people talk about but I'd like to see this as Skippy mentions we need a a, a valley-wide analysis I think we're gonna find ourselves in a you know we're gonna reach down valley and pick up some other contributions towards our system to perhaps build some of it elsewhere
8: and hey, carolyn if, thank you if i may it's my first time up here a little nervous so i think that's all right the third thing that i was going to mention is initially our system was designed to be a stepping stone to the free market i think we need to move in a direction where we can try to from each side reconnect that by lowering the barrier on some of the lower end free market uh, but also filling in some of the missing middle I think that creates movement within the system that's really healthy and helps us turn over stock and create a more sustainable community
9: thank you and thank you for
8: the time we
4: have a follow-up question to Tori from the audience Um, how should the city help Centennial
9: you know it's been a couple years gone by already on this project I'm a little disappointed with that I thought that there was uh, opportunities for both uh, low interest loans uh, and partnership on uh, construction improvements up there so
4: so grant some money to
9: fixes absolutely there's different ways of doing that you could uh, recoup that on the back end of sales units so um, there's there's a lot of different financial ways that we could have triggered some help there and I I thought dangerous precedent for any other affordable housing complex I hope not moving forward you know if if we don't learn from (coughs) Our mistakes in the past and try to fix them for the future. Then, then, then we've got problems. But I think owning up to some mistakes in the past and taking care of them and and shoring up our, our current housing stock is something that we should be doing. How is that the
3: city's mistake, though?
9: It, you know, we have we have partners that live in Centennial. I didn't say it was the city's fault. I why said should that this,
3: we? Why should the city pay for anything?
9: Well, I think because we have resident partners in our housing that that need that support uh that also we have the means and the wherewithal like i said there's there's low interest loans or paybacks on the other side of people's sales that units that can take care of this that's that's for the courts right now anyway that, that matters in litigation i believe
7: let's
3: move on to another question i have one here that was the first one that was submitted so uh let me say this is for everybody i'll start with sue try to limit your question so we can get through these There seems to be a growing trend of taking complex issues and referring them to ballot referenda, rather than our elected representatives doing their jobs and deciding these issues themselves. This is a move away from the representative democracy that our country's founders established and toward a direct democracy. Under what conditions do you think it is appropriate to bypass our established form of government and invoke a ballot referendum?
11: Well, I agree that, are you starting with me? yeah oh, okay. I agree that um, that the uh, the government should try to make some of these decisions and not try to put them on the ballots. And usually when they're on the ballots, there are these unbelievably confusing questions. <laughs> so i I would I would take the responsibility and ask the uh, elected representatives to take the responsibility of making some decisions.
10: Thank you. and. So what I've seen since I've been on council is some extremely complicated questions boiled down to one or two bullet points that just kind of elicit an emotional response. And I think it's doing a disservice to the community to put these up for a vote um, when, as as Sue said, they're either extremely complicated or they're a one-liner. Uh, I, th- I think you can elect your officials um, their integrity, their um, honesty, their consistency in making decisions and researching decisions and you trust them to address these really complicated issues. If you don't like your decisions, you get rid of them. But I think the ballot issue is a mistake in most cases because it does oversimplify something that's extremely complicated.
9: Uh, this is one of the reasons that I'm running for a seat on the city council right now. What I see is a disconnect between our citizens, our council, and city hall. Uh, I think a lot of these referendums could be avoided by some really open dialogue and working together, and it just doesn't seem to be happening now. Uh, you know, I, my pledge is that I promise to listen to the public and get it right the first time we no more time for wasted money and energy like the power plant process like the discussion that's going on with dams people wanna figure the home rule charter now to to vote on damming our our rivers and streams we need to rely on our representative system and I think we can do that in a better way than we are and that's why I'm running for City Council
3: Ward
6: it is not a bypass of the system Um, US Constitution the state constitution and the home rule charter all have means by which the citizens can uh, address and redress uh, decisions made by their elected officials. If we were to wait until election time and throw people out, there would be some major mistakes. We'd have a base two that um, two out of three people in the community didn't want. Uh, we would have a, perhaps a hydro that was uh, the the highest cost per kilowatt hour perhaps ever constructed. I don't want to open up old wounds, but I want to use these as examples of referendum uh, and initiatives that I personally have been involved in. And I don't think it's a bypass of the system at all, because it's been built into the system from the very beginning of our democracy.
3: Skippy?
8: Yeah, I think we've got to be really careful about conflating specific instances with the broader scope of the dynamic of our democracy. Now, Ward, I don't think that you got involved in referenda because you really wanted to spend those tens or hundreds of hours out there in contentious battles. I think what we're looking at is a system that is broken. It's a system. We need fresh thinking in how to change it so war doesn't have to do that next time. You're right. Some of these mechanisms were built in intentionally. They're they're safety valves. When you leave the safety valve open all the time, what you end up with is Washington. When we look at direct democracy, these are complex issues. We should be informed by the populace, but these things require staffs and expertise and execution in the executive sphere. You know, you only need to look to California to see what happens when everything goes on the ballot. Right? People vote for lots of things. They don't want to pay for them. It gets ugly. It gets contentious. We lose our sense of place. We lose our sense of community. And we lose, oftentimes, our friends. I don't want to go there here, and I plan to work on it so that next time war doesn't have to go to the ballot.
6: Yeah, let's dump on California. I, work Art.
5: I uh, very much support um, the concept of this council is the decision making body, and we're pretty well informed. We, we work hard to make good decisions, and I'd rather see a lot less of our decisions referred out to the electorate. Um, I think. This is a better decision-making platform. There are some matters of uh, obvious special significance that the electorate should have the opportunity to to weigh in on. But I think in the last several years, for reasons we're all familiar with, um, more and more of these decisions that should really be made here are being taken out of the electorate. I prefer to see that moderated.
3: Thank you. Unfortunately, there's more audience questions than there is time. So <laughs> we have to move on to the rapid fire portion of this session. Yeah. Carolyn, if I may,
6: all in the audience are always open to talk to. Any one of us we yes.
8: will answer your questions. And, and surprisingly, I actually have my cell phone on the back of all of our lit, and I'm always available to all of you.
3: And Art's email is something at cityofaspen.com. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
8: imagine Art Daily
3: (laughs) To me I can forward.
5: I'm going public with my actual email address.
3: (laughs) So gentlemen, you want to start off? I think there was one that you wanted to leap leap on to right away.
7: What's that? Oh, um, sure. Um, Audience question for Rapid Fire. We'll start with Art. Do you support a $15 minimum wage in the city?
5: Well, I don't think I'm really in a position to Uh, carefully and properly answer that question. There are so many affected parties that I think we would really have to, we would have to study this matter from a lot of perspectives. I like the idea, frankly, of increasing minimum wages where we can, but it's got to be fairly done, and there are a lot of people that bear the burden of that added cost. They need to be part of the decision.
8: Um, uh, I've actually read quite a few white papers or policy papers on this, and the evidence is mixed. Um, I absolutely think we need a living wage in our community, Uh, but there are communities in which this has worked. There are communities in which it's actually caused job reduction and harmed those specifically on the lower end. It's been regressive, Uh, and that's very place-specific. I do not have enough information or data about our community yet to give you a real answer, but I'd love to look into it.
6: That's for all of us. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, yes, uh, but I think that there are other means to try to um, um, a living wage. Uh, some people, some restaurants have gone with splitting tips with uh, like kitchen staff, and uh, so that people that are getting tips can uh, share with the people that are making the food, and that makes things more equitable. Um, I think that we need a living wage in my simple question our simple answer would be yes but uh, I agree that we need to have more data points and to boil it down to an answer in 30 seconds is unfair for the question
9: Tori? yeah I'm the same I think as a blanket statement I don't think you could across the board just say $15 an hour is is the minimum that should be set. I think there's a lot of opportunities uh, for a sliding scale if that's possible but n- my short answer is no for your short question I'm sure there's some more investigation and information that could come out about that.
3: Anne?
10: Uh, yes, I think we should. I mean, it's a, a good place to start. It's worked well in other communities. It needs more study, but I definitely think it's something that needs to be discussed. Sue? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> be right, <laughs> yes thank you. Uh, I'll turn it over to you guys.
9: This
4: is, uh, this, this is a question for everybody again. Please keep this answer as short and concise as possible. Uh, Is it fair that the city gets to build a 47-foot tall building uh, for its new office project while the rest of the community, uh, any other commercial zone district, has now been limited to 28 feet?
11: Am I supposed to start? Why don't you start, Sue? Uh, I would say no. And and actually, I spent uh, yesterday trying to uh, find a plan for the footprint of the building. And I did find one very quickly, which I'm not sure hasn't been changed since... They've posted it, but I did, did get a, a, a footprint. I'd like to see that also laid out so people can see where the building is going to be, with tape or posts or something like that. And then it's a little harder to show the height, but they could put some poles up okay. and show the height. And at least, at least, that people would not be surprised when this humongous building in this very small space appears.
4: Okay. Yeah different height limit for the city, is that fair?
10: Uh, this is kind of like the referendum questions. We boiled the whole city hall down to uh, 47 feet. There's a lot of different things at play. It's one story in Galena Plaza. To your your comment, it's lower than anything else surrounding Galena Plaza. Uh, from Rio Grande, it, it's more perceived as a two-story building because it's built into the hill. It's trying to accommodate the city staff. If you did lower the height, the footprint would spread out. So you're you're making trade-offs. You have a certain amount of city staff that you need to house, and we're housing them as fish, efficiently and in the least amount of space possible. These are staff that that um, the citizen citizens continue to ask us to do things, and we have staff that we need to do these things. And um, so I, I justify it. It's a city facility. Um, in the end, it'll benefit the, um, the citizens customer service visitors etc and we make the the trade-offs as and come up with the best product we can
9: no no it's not okay um we lost a lot of opportunities here i i advocated for a long time to put the bulk of our building on the zapanzas property on main street i think we squandered that opportunity the current plans that are going through now have uh, some 3,000 unprogrammed square square feet in the new building. And the building that we're sitting in right now, the historic armory, which is our city hall, is being contemplated about moving offices out, not knowing what move offices are moving in. I think that's poor planning. Um, I think we could have done better on this process. Uh, lastly, when this was approved just about a week ago or something, I think the approval came through at 1115 at night or something. This room was empty, except for Tony Kronberg. (laughs) Hey Tony. Hey. Thanks for your time. Tony, I haven't had a chance, but I compliment you on the presentation you did that night. You did a very good job. At 11.15 at night, it's not a time. Two council members that night sat up here and said, I'm tired. That was at 9.30. And they ended up deciding this at close to 1130 I was here for the majority of it I think I left around 1015 or so board should is it fair
3: that the city gets to build a 47 foot tall city hall while everybody else is regulated at 28 feet
6: if the city doesn't obey the law how can they expect everybody else to um, if zoning for that is actually 20 feet I know the core is 28 feet if the zoning is for 28 feet there, and I'm not certain what it is for the height in that in that zone, but the city should conform to what the zoning is. Um, I, I just don't see how you can expect the rest of the city, the rest of the town. Does uh, Joey get to drive his car down Main Street at 55? Until it no. gets pulled over. Okay. <laughs> <Skip>. <laughs> we won't talk about last Thursday, Joe.
9: <laughs> the
6: 14th Amendment, I'm not a lawyer, but 14th Amendment is equal protection, and that means that everybody gets treated the same. Skippy.
8: Yeah. Uh, one, I was glad that as Chair of I got to see the polls and the tape. Uh, the short answer is no, like you have to, leadership is leading by example and it's sticking to your own rules, right? So if our expectation of the community is X, well then, as the city, we better match that. Now we also need to make this question full, which is, 28 feet is CC and C1. There are different zone and, districts and in town. And also
4: now the mixed use zone district and a whole host of Correct. others. Correct.
8: Well, lower, so my, just lower than 47 my feet. Point is, my point is we should also recognize that there are different zoning blocks, as Ward points out. But The city should absolutely stick to its own rules. You can't leave without setting an example.
5: I can't disagree with the overall thought that we should abide by our own rules. Um, I was part of this process for the last three years and this has been the most closely studied uh issue that i think we've confronted and uh the problem we're dealing with is that the city needs and i'm talking about the whole community needs more space than we have today we're we're scattered around six different locations the additional cost of that is becoming um you know not something we want to consider much further and uh we the options were carefully reviewed on this thing you know uh one roof two roof three roofs and uh the this was the finally the majority decision of council let's go with this three roof solution and sp- spread it out a little bit uh but it's going to result in this you know the uh Rio Grande grand building it's gonna have to be the size that's been approved
3: thanks we have time for one more rapid fire question and dun, dun, dun. maybe the answer could be more rapid
7: uh yeah this is a rapid one one word guess what do you consider the biggest blight in the downtown core and why Sue.
11: <coughs> biggest blight
7: <The> ugliest building
11: <laughs> oh, oh oh okay <laughs> i guess i'm easy to please i think it all looks pretty good <laughs> okay <laughs>
4: You gotta pick something.
11: Gotta pick something. That's that's really hard. All
4: right, moving on. I haven't
11: yeah, even thought fun. of it. That whoever came up with that that question, I've never even thought of that. Okay, I got one. Um, that one. <laughs> we come back
10: to you. Pete. Um, the Hyatt. I think that was one of the biggest mistakes the city has ever made. Uh, it's way too massive. One giant mega block. They privatized the street in front of it. Um, that to me would be the one building I'd love to see disappear.
9: Tory, um, the biggest blight. I, I, I'm kind of Sue. I'm on the same page with you. I, um, I would say you know a, any of the empty retail spaces that we have downtown. That's the biggest blight to me. Yeah. You know. Ward.
6: Well, I guess Tori and I are more closely aligned than I thought. Um, I, I love this town. I love that the funky old buildings and some of the new buildings, but i I think the Lego building, what's it called the muse building, that building with its all of its vacant spaces to me is just it kind of breaks your heart yeah
8: i uh did
9: you vote for that? yeah, I did okay absolutely. did I vote for it to be empty no right
8: i <laughs> <laughs> um, i'm I can't confirm this, but I'm pretty sure I got my P&Z appointment when I mentioned that the core building, the red one just down from the gondola, was heinous and and really didn't fit in with the community at all. And two and a half years later, I I still think it's the ugliest building in Aspen, if not quite blighted and defunct. Uh, And the little white Victorian with red trim across from Spring Cafe has always been one of my favorites. I smile when I look at it. Art,
3: (laughs) biggest blight in town.
5: Well, I happen to agree with these gentlemen that uh, that particular building, uh, the orange building, we'll call it whatever you want, is um, one of our least attractive buildings. Um, and uh, one of the most dangerous things we've allowed to occur in the last several years are the uh, approval and construction of three penthouses and three different buildings. And the consequences of those uh, penthouses, you've mentioned it already, that building is empty from the top down and that ha- is what's happening in two other penthouse buildings. Uh, fortunately, under the new code, there won't be any more penthouses.
3: Yeah, thank you. Uh that's all the time we have thanks to the candidates, the Aspen Daily News, the Aspen Times, uh, and most of all grassroots TV. You can go on later uh online later and watch us again if you need to at their website. So thank you.
9: Thank you. Thank you guys. coming and for watching. Uh, well,
2: Hey, let round of applause. <laughs> Here we sit Across the table from each other a thousand miles from both our mothers Barely old enough to rust Here we sit Tending both our hearts are anchored, taking candy from these strangers amidst the diesel and the dust. And here we sit, singing words nobody taught us, drinking fire and spitting sawdust, trying to teach ourselves to breathe we haven't yet. Every chorus brings us closer. Every flyer and every poster gives a piece of what we need. And the sand that they call cocaine costs you twice as much as gold. You'd be better off to drink your coffee black. But I swear the land, it'll listen to the stories it God bless the busted boat that brings us back.
3: Okay, we are starting. We are live. Please take your seats. Uh welcome to squirm Night two thousand seventeen. I'm Carolyn Sakuraison. I am the news director at Aspen Public Radio. I'll be moderating tonight's session, which is part of a decades old tradition established by the Aspen newspapers, um, to drill down on candidate statements and positions. And uh sometimes this causes them to squirm in their seats or shift a little bit and uh if they're asked asked, uh, uncomfortable questions. So we just heard from the six candidates running for city council. We're now turning to the mayoral candidates. Uh, The format will be that the candidates will ask each other a question or two, depending on time. We will leave it free flowing to open it up for debate among you two if you'd like. Um, Then the candidates will be asked a series of questions by the newspapers, and that will be followed by questions submitted by citizens and and through social media. You can do the latter by using uh hashtag squirm night. There are index cards in the back if you want to write a question down and give it to David Krauss. He's the editor of the Aspen Times. Um, your answers are limited to two minutes. Um, I'll be watching the clock and give you a 30 second warning and then a 10 second uh, warning to wrap it up. I'm here to uh, hold you to that time and of course ask any follow up questions just like uh, the rest of the journalists up here. So. With that, I turn it over to Rick Carroll, the managing editor of the Aspen Times, and Curtis Wackerly, editor of the Aspen Times, or Aspen Daily News, sorry. Uh,
4: Thanks, Carolyn. Thank you, candidates. Thank you, grassroots. Uh, You heard the format. You guys get to start off by asking some questions of each other. Uh, So, uh, Steve Skadron, why don't you go first?
12: Sure. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Lee, welcome. Thanks, Steve. Lee, my first question for you is, you look handsome in a cowboy hat. How many cowboy hats do you have?
13: You know, I I don't rightly know, because I inherited quite a few from my father. Um, And thank you for that question. Uh, Many of you know my father, and he was... The most amazing human being. He was my best friend, and when people ask me why I'm running for mayor, I point to him because if I can be one tenth of the man, if I can be one tenth of the servant that he was, then then I I think that I will as as a human I've I've learned from him, and he got the communities of the Roaring Fork Valley. Um, as well as Texas involved in a tiny village in Kenya Um, and I say tiny it's twice the size of Aspen um... and the the impact that my parents throughout you know all these other people that have come along medic teams and doctors and nurses going in May um... is just is life-changing and it's hard for us to understand because we talk about first-world problems here but those kids go to school um, Bringing a jug, uh, of water, because at the public school there's no water, and uh, he was an inspiration to me, Steve, um, and uh, and my mom and I, through through everybody here donating laptops, use laptops, through um, through wonderful donations. We're doing another water well in in May um, for this village and
3: uh, cowboy hat. The question was about the cowboy
13: hat my dad wears one he, right. he okay he was a rancher and uh, he was a he was a phenomenal man
3: thanks now you get to ask a question Steve
13: can I ask one of you no <laughs> because the question I'd like to ask of you would be last summer you told me you were going to come to my house and do an interview is that not correct
3: lee this is a debate between you and the mayors okay and yeah but, i didn't come to your house and i i guess i ran out of time because i'm a news director and not a reporter so sorry i didn't somebody. come to your house
13: so i think that is a, a conversation in the national media about the bias of, of uh and the revolving doors that that exist here but anyway steve
12: hey, lee yes sir i'm with you on this one I wanna... <laughs> let's go <laughs>
13: um, <laughs> So, so I'll play by the rules, uh, Sack, and, and you're a friend of mine, so I'll give you this, you know, in, in jest.
3: Sure, I'll take it.
13: <laughs> okay. Steve, if you set – and this is coming from my family, okay, because we sat down if we thought we had one question to ask you. And if you just set aside the city's double dealing, the ethical violations called out by SAC on the attorney that you use on Aspen Public Radio – let's set aside um, you know all the facts about that attorney you know charging government uh... for suing a citizen uh, that used the sunshine laws and and we thank the times for bringing that out um, for 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 challenging government and then being sued and then he turned around and paid and got collected twelve thousand let's set aside all that nonsense okay if you win reelection which in america is a sure thing um, typically, um, would you support a move like, for example, with the dams to direct staff or the city manager's office to allow me to show compliance to the city housing employees? And my mom wanted me to add, in light of the fact that I missed a deadline, I went to Kenya honoring my, my dad that just had just passed.
12: And the question is, would I uh, direct staff to give you an opportunity to
13: show compliance. compliance as an artist? Because they always wanted me to make 15000 and Steve, I don't make that. My, my exhibitions at the Red Brick, you know, we're talking hundreds of dollars, you know.
12: Yeah. Lee, um, thanks for the question. Uh, on, the, on the last thing we talked about, um, your mom's lovely, by the way. We, I had a chance to have uh, tea with her at Peaches. Last last fall, well, uh, I feel for you with your dad. I he sounds like a great guy. I never knew him. Um, I'm going on six years. I lost my dad, cancer. So I, I'm right with you. Sorry for yeah. um, uh, As far as APSHA goes, uh, and and the housing programly, um, I I trust the um, director and the team at Apsha And Aptsia is an association. It's the Aspen Pitkin County Housing Association. And it's not a typical department of the city the way, say, ComDev is or the, or the police department. Uh, so I would, I would best leave it up to the people there who are most familiar with all the details um, on the program.
3: Another question or debate? I just, I would like to say that this. I hope that this doesn't just become about you and your situation.
13: Well, well, Mrs. Zachariasen, a friend of mine, I think that any time, this is a wonderful community, and I love this community. I am devoted to this community. But the community, through the city manager's office, has directed my eviction. And if we're talking about what an artist is, or if a community wants to throw out artists, I understand. But Van Gogh, did you know Van Gogh did not ever sell one painting? I think he sold one, and, and that was it. You and, probably and, wouldn't
3: have been able to live in Aspen's affordable housing program.
13: Well, I mean, well, based on the guidelines, clean toilets. But... Everything that I turned in, they rejected. Now it seems to me that that the mayor could direct staff. I mean, they direct staff to to look at building dams. You know, I mean. Anyway, Steve, Curtis,
12: question? Sure. Uh... Lee, on that note, I have a question about APSHA. And I, I'm not as familiar with the details of your situation as you are. <clears throat> but I want to ask you generally um, in your your fight with APSHA, in your contentious um, issue with APSHA, is it possible you're wrong?
13: Well, Steve, and this is, I'm glad you asked that question. Because did you know that out of the, all this, us homeowners, that all but one of us was out of compliance within within two years? Because one one of the gals that bought those lots, and we, and it needs to be noted that we built our own homes, okay. So, and, and I'm very in favor of affordable housing that where the city does half, and then the homeowner takes over because they have an investment. But, but did you know that we were all out of complaints after the second year, and the city was like, "Don't worry, we won't do anything," you know. And then the the fight kind of Julie was like, "Don't worry," or I'm sorry, the qualifications director was like, "Don't worry." You know, well, and I've been when I went into when I went into there to take my art records in there, right? What I had an appointment. I was met by the but at the door by the deputy director who said, "We have decided to sue you," and she refused to look at the records. Now we're a community. We, we the, the city's double dealing. I mean, unfortunately, you know, I'm easy to pick off. You know, you got you you guys look around and 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 see who you can shoot off. And and I'm gullible because I spoke out, you know, in other ways. So, look, I I'm the first one to admit that I have made mistakes along this journey. I mean, and I have asked forgiveness from from those that I have offended. Rick knows that.
12: Good, thanks, Lee.
3: Yeah. Curtis, do you have a question for them, or do you want to?
4: Well. In all fairness, Lee should have one more question to Steve, and then we can get to ours. So if you have another question you'd like to ask the mayor,
13: now's your chance. Thank you, Curtis. And by the way, I did apply for a lot of jobs, but uh, I was even as a janitor, the county rejected me. But um, you sat on council for a decade. Um, Can you explain the other process that you talked about with, sack in detail if regarding the dams if you had decided not to be transparent in other words what what happened when you were on council in 2010
12: well you're uh the the filings happen every six years so it happened once before when i was on council and why didn't why wasn't it a transparent issue then why now it's a generally the question am i summarizing the question correctly
13: What's the process like? What did you guys do in 2010 that was yeah. different?
12: Um, I wasn't the mayor at the time, uh, just for the record. Uh, Lee, the, I don't. The truth is, I don't ever recall that it became an issue, and it was an issue for. Um, it, it was it's kind of a rudimentary filing that had been going on since 1971, and. Uh, I don't recall ever discussing it, but the city proceeded as it had done in the past, uh, according to protocol. The reason, if the second half of the question is, so what's different now? I think you asked. Um, uh, Brent Gardner Smith, uh, around the hydro, when he got involved with hydro, uh, had done some really sound reporting and brought much of this issue to light. None of us knew that we. I don't ever I don't think any of us knew that the city had the rights. So that that the water rights and dam issue was uh, actually an issue for us. So Brent Gardner-Smith brought it to light, and what came before our council was an opportunity to do what councils had done in the past or to be transparent about this and, and take it head on. And we took it head on, and I compliment my fellow council members, both Ann Mullins and Art Daly, for having the raw courage to stand up and take the beating they're now taking for doing what we believe is the right thing.
13: Okay. <laughs> Are you going to follow up or me?
3: Well, you're looking like you need to, so I'm, no, I'm going to give you, you... – I'm
13: going to let you go ahead because you you followed up the other day.
3: I'm going to defer to the boys here about – I think they have a question. Ready?
7: Yeah, I'll, I'll get Ricker. the ball rolling. Um, Lee, this is a uh, – I'm going to ask you a question, and it's kind of a win-lose situation for you. Let's say you lose your Burlingame housing, but you win the mayor's seat. You – you find another place in Aspen, how are you going to go about doing that? Well, Cause Rick... Because you um, need to live here to be mayor.
13: Indeed, indeed. Um, I would... I'm a builder, so I like building things. Um, and uh, I think my dad taught me well. I would look for another opportunity to mm-hmm. to build a dream house to raise my family. And that house, Mayor, I don't... You, you, you met with my mom, but you refused to meet with me, but that house... Is built around my mom so that she can wheel in and wheel out. God forbid, you know. And that bus stop is right there. Um, the the bathroom is designed uh, around a disabled person. So hopefully we don't come to that. But I am um, very confident that um, the dis, the 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 court of appeals will will remand that case back here. And at that point, I'm I'm very optimistic. The city manager told me that he would sit down and talk.
7: Fair enough. Thanks.
13: For Steve, uh,
4: how would you rate your style of interaction with the public, particularly while you're sitting at this table, um, especially when things get emotional or heated?
10: Mm -hmm.
12: Uh, I think it's one of my strengths. And I, uh, as Lee said, I've sat... Go ahead. There. Uh, I've... um... As Lee said, I've sat at the table for a long time, and uh, for many many of those years, I had a chance to sit next to uh, the leadership of Mick Ireland, and I learned a lot of lessons from Mick, um, both so, what some things to do and some things not to do. And I think I've incorporated much of that in my my uh, style here. Um, I I hope that I'm um, uh, accessible um, and smart in my approach. In a way that's inclusive and invites people into the conversation, uh, I try to be balanced and open to new ideas uh, because I understand that uh, ideas, new ideas, can come from anybody. So um, I apparently uh, the community has generally liked my approach.
4: Uh, but do you feel like you you could ever take things a little too far? I'm thinking specifically of the incident with um, uh, the mentorship director. Yeah.
12: You know. Oh no, absolutely. Absolutely. If I could have that one back, I would, Curtis. Yeah, there are times when I can take it too far.
4: What what, what causes that?
12: Yeah. Well, I think it's my, um, it has to do with uh, passion for the community, the principles I stand for. And in that particular case, Curtis, um, and you're absolutely right, I and we, we I talked with Julie, uh, we addressed this issue. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I could have done that, done that one better, but Curtis... Um, I have hundreds or thousands of conversations, and that's one of many. So, um, for that one. Yeah. So, oh, thanks. Rick, um,
7: Steve, uh, you, you were against referendum one. Yeah. Um, and that stripped away the council's authority on land use applications. Um, and this essentially was a mandate against the, the council that you've led what message did referendum one send to you as aspen's mayor
12: yeah uh well the hist- what triggered referendum one as supporters will say was i think it was referendum 19 Is that right mick 19 uh and that was ordinance uh, 19 or, or, or ordinance, ordinance yeah. 19 which uh councils the, the members of council at the time three members supported i did not I voted against it and it allowed a fourth floor in the hotel zone uh, on some new properties, I voted against it, so um, it was a reaction to uh, council that the community thought was uh, too pro-development. Uh, I'm still against referendum one. I think it's I think it's a bad thing. I don't believe land use issues should be in the city charter, uh, which is another which is another appropriate question for another time. Opening up the city charter. For, seconds. Okay. I don't think it's appropriate. So.
4: Lee, you've leveled the corruption charge at the man sitting next to you as well as the city manager. Um, I tend to think that's pretty serious when you level that accusation. So what do you have to back that up? And is there any more than the situation with your
13: housing? So um, let's avoid that. Okay. Um, but
3: No, we're not going to avoid that. That's a question he's asking you
13: no 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 he said to, i just said that i would avoid apsha or this let's call it for what it is the city housing authority so except for that one small incident when they met up here in that closed room and they gave a uh, lifetime employee housing to a city employee
4: what does that have to do with steve
13: um well uh, steve said on i want to say brent gardner smith that that every uh, Monday at two o'clock, that the city manager and the city attorney and him meet. So I don't know, but let me let me let me answer your question, Curtis. The mayor says one thing, but his actions say another. It makes you wonder who he is representing, what powerful forces, because it is certainly not the community. As the head of a of of, of a city machine, Steve's discrepancy between his words and actions have brought the charge. That he does the bidding of, of unknown. And I'll give you one example. And I'll give you a lot more after that. Base two. Now, the the parking scandals, let's leave aside. Um, now Ward points to the fact that 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 in yesterday's paper that the city manager's office is guilty of giving us what if you want to call it fake news or, or but but misrepresentations in Burlingame the hydro turbine now it, it's it doesn't really you're you're asking me and I don't want to bring up all these old wounds but but you you ask the question why why would why would the mayor be opposed to referendum one because the community didn't trust council or him um the the the, the problem was council gave all these variances out and it angered the community so so, so they reacted now that uh, corruption now now, can I finish there is something called honor sack and integrity and when you say one thing and when you do the another another when you tell the state of Colorado which I think is kind of important I don't know you know because if any of us did that if we said one thing to the state of Colorado and did another or the IRS you're looking at problems but we said in that ordinance that Steve voted on and that we can and will build those dams up there. Now, I'm an Eagle Scout. Wilderness area is sacred to me and a lot of other people. Now, when you commit the city to doing something like that and 10 organizations stack up against you, including Pitkin County, including Wilderness uh, Workshop, including a lot of environmental groups, you're just asking for trouble. And, and, and I think that I am a prime example of, uh, of problem lawsuits. Because when a, when a man and a, my seventy year old eight-year-old dad was on his hands and knees and, the, and everybody thinks I sued the city, people, the city sued me to evict me. Now, are,
3: are base two
13: and, and – Corruption,
3: and, cronyism, that's what we're looking for okay, here. So Evidence the, of those two
13: things. Okay, so, so the city of Houston, Sac, did you know that the city of Houston does not hold – secret sessions they do not hold executive sessions it's
3: legal in the state of colorado okay so but, crony the cronyism and corruption is the question evidence of it
13: as a as as a as a reporter as a journalist i think that you would want to know what goes on behind closed doors now brent gardner smith doesn't like it now that that the, the the city attorney brags he's like well we only had 10 last year well that's because the county had 30 Okay, so
3: just for just for the record, executive sessions is the answer to the correct. I gave ten answers. Okay, based to the referendum one, executive sessions are examples of cronyism and 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 corruption. Just for the record, and 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 I just want to state that.
13: Okay, and then at the very last minute, he 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 brought in the brewery for the power plant process. But I think I think my main point, if I had to point out one thing, it's when you tell the state of Colorado that you can and will. Build dams uh, in, in in the shadow of the maroon bells. I think that 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 has nothing to do with municipal integrity, and 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 that brings about uh, all kinds of, of, of issues.
3: Thanks.
4: All right, Steve. You want to respond to that? Which part? <laughs> <laughs> he accused you of of, um, of saying one thing and doing another.
12: On which issue, Curtis? Okay, listen, whatever the corruption stuff is, um, I think that's insulting and shameful, and the community deserves a higher degree of conversation than that. Uh, I, I, that's I—it's—that's embarrassing for Aspen. You should be ashamed.
13: Well, well listen. I'm sorry,
12: see. Lee, it's, you should be ashamed, because that's not the case. Curtis, what specifically do you want me to respond to?
4: Take, pick, the, dams. Pick, yeah. take the dams.
12: Take the dams. Take the dams. The dams. Um, this is this is an extraordinarily complicated issue. And um, what what happens in today's politics, Lee, and you're keen on today's politics, you saw this in the last national election. We uh as a nation, perhaps as a community, take these uh ridiculously complicated issues that are emotionally charged and tend to slap a simple solution on it, like stop the dams or repeal Obamacare. Whoever thought that would be so complicated? or build the wall or drill baby drill or lock her up these are all extraordinarily complicated things so is the water rights and dam issues the notion that the city is poised to dam maroon valley is in reality a simple filing with the state of colorado to protect our rights to your drinking water the water that flows to the kitchen in your house and without knowing more about viable options storage options it would be uh, It would not be prudent water management or responsible government for the city to give up those rights. And again, I compliment my fellow council members, both Ann Mullins and Art Daly, along with Adam Frisch, for having the the courage to do the right thing. And any candidate who is embracing this water rights issue as an election platform, I can't support because it shows not only a lack of understanding of water rights and the complicated issue that council members are involved with but it shows a lack of leadership because they're simply posturing to the same populism that delivered the current president
13: Rick. when when APR asked you about this you said and I quote and this is so amazing we didn't have to be transparent we didn't have to take the route we did it was only because of Brent Gardner Smith's article that informed the community. Well, that was my first question. Like you didn't have to be transparent. What's the other route
12: Yeah. That's right. well, the, well there are two there's two other options. Number one is that the city simply gives up the water rights. And then the conversation we'd be having now, the question we'd be asking in the letters to the editor would be, what kind of knuckleheads sitting at city council would sacrifice a valuable city asset like, like water rights without, doing, without studying viable options? That would, that would then be, become the discussion. It wouldn't be about dams. It would be how stupid council members were and city staff, and how irresponsible they were for not holding out to the water rights. The other option is that we, we maintain the status quo. Now, you're doing the same thing, Lee. You're accusing council of, uh, always, uh, of, not, of not being open, but not, and also accusing me of being transparent. The, uh, the other option was to do it the way it was always done. But because Brent did some sound reporting, we were informed about this, council had a decision to make. And we could have tried to sneak this through the way it was done. We could have stamped it off because it was kind of, because the, the truth is-
13: Like you did in 2010.
12: Because I, I, Listen, I wasn't the mayor at the time. And in the mayor Mick at the time had no intention of doing that. It was it was a formality. It, but that speaks that speaks to the truth about this issue. This is absolutely a non-issue that's taken on a life because it's political seasonally. And and sorry, any responsible candidate would know that.
13: Steve, I understand. I look, I I went to everyone thinks I didn't even go to college. You know, I, I went to university and I and I had a PhD. Now when I hear that the city of Aspen can and will build dams. In wilderness areas, I kind of take that literally. Yeah, so that, that it's 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 about integrity. It's about honesty. And you know what? If you guys lie to the state, you're going to have problems.
12: Lee, it's 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 not an unfair question you're asking. You see, the city has to walk as Brent Gardner Smith said, and I don't remember if this is on tape or not because I talked for Lee Brent for 25 minutes after the interview. Um, he, Lee, uh, Brent himself, um, smiled and said, "This is a exquisitely." Torturous situation for the city. And it is. You see, we have to walk, the reality is, we're walking a tightrope because we have to protect these water rights. And what's imposed on us, what's imposed on us and every other community to protect their water rights is this term can and will. And the real issue, as far as I'm concerned, is with the state of Colorado. And we should be put, putting our energy and our time and our efforts into changing the law of the state of Colorado that's forcing this community and communities like ours to use that terminology and to keep dams as one of the options. So until listen, nobody nobody wants to build dams, but until we have viable storage solutions, I'm not going to gamble away the rights to this water that could impact this community for generations to come, as as you as you apparently would. I think Ward pointed
13: out that in the paper that if Aspen's population was 17,000, which I don't even think you support, um, then uh, we. We still don't need those dams, and look, I, 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 I honestly,
1: I have Lee, some experience
13: Lee, in the legal world. Lee, and when you, you do- got ten people lined up against you with very powerful entities, you're just getting ready to throw away taxpayer money because you know that you don't intend to build those dams,
12: right? What I intend to you, do, you run on those trails, Lee. What I intend- we got
3: fifteen seconds to wrap this sure. issue up and move on to others,
12: Lee what I intend to do is is to do the right thing for the community to do what's right not what's popular and the right thing is to maintain do everything it takes to maintain those water rights while we seek viable storage uh, options viable storage options and if that it's going to take and we have a team working on it it's going to take 18 months maybe two years worst case it takes another six years which is which is uh, the time the next filing goes to build damsley this whole thing about building dams takes something like 20 or 30 years to get done it literally takes an act of congress and i w- and i would argue but 10 seconds okay i would argue that the greatest single protection environmental protection to the maroon bells wilderness area is the fact that this city that the city of aspen with its environmental priorities is holding onto those water rights and i'll say netter dams Um, So
3: we're moving on to a different issue, Rick,
7: unless you have a follow-up. Well, Steve said this is a non-issue, and and how can you justify that statement when you have the county who's uh, against the city's decision? I believe they're entering water court. You've got Wilderness Workshop. You've got American Rivers. It's not a non-issue to them.
12: Right. I sat in a meeting, uh, Rick, with the 10 opposers. And the first thing I said, the first I opened the, I opened the discussion, and the first thing I said with all the, all the high-powered lawyers and, and the uh, other people who had signed on in that room, leaders, uh, the, the director of uh, Wilderness Workshop and of, uh, I'm sorry, American Rivers and Western Resource Advocates, first thing I said was, I can't believe we're sitting here. And I went on to say exactly what I said. But Rick, it should be a non issue but it's political season, and it's been ramped up. What I said to, the, what, to those nonprofits is that we have a, we have an opportunity here not to do business as usual but to create a template a collaborative template to figure this out not simply to default to the legal option Hi, hire the lawyers sue the city it's a win win for any of these nonprofits Wilderness Workshop American Rivers out of Washington D C to sue the city of Aspen they sue the city they they get on the, they get on the dam they're building dams in Aspen it's Aspen Aspen is sexy a flood of money Flows in from their national, from their national donors, uh, to take this to uh, to address this issue. If they, regardless if they win or lose, same thing as wilderness workshops. And the response I got from them was, uh, was basically, yeah, there is something here. We could we could work through something else.
7: Well, we could go on and on. Okay. The
12: county did pass this when it wasn't. The count, by season. the way, Rick. Right. The vote at the county was three to two, and uh, still and, a majority. One of those votes was Michael Owsley in his last vote as he was leaving from Mexico, and thank you to both Rachel Richards, who understands water rights better better than I do and better than anybody else, for supporting the city, and Steve Childs as well.
3: Rick, I know you have a question from the audience that uh, that didn't get asked the first time around, and
12: you are correct.
7: It's one that uh, this this involves uh, the, the the county's uh, recent position on immigration enforcement. Um, and uh, it's kind of a two-part question: Should sanctuary cities be brought to a referendum, and how can the city foster more minorities to live and work here?
13: Lee, why don't you Lee? take that first? Um, sanctuary cities brought to a referendum where? I
4: think the question should. should I, I, that's should, should,
3: not
7: a well-worded, crisp question. Here, but uh, yeah, here, yeah. Should, that would be a vote. Should Aspen? Why not? Dude, as
13: the county
6: was did. Was adopted
7: well, why not? The citizens should
13: have an input on that. And and by the way, I you know, uh I believe that we should love our neighbor and and that local democracy, um and I, look I'm the first one to say Washington DC has too much power. So if Aspen wanted to help our, our our refugee and Latino brothers and sisters, I'm all for it, especially if the citizens say that. And the second part of your question I believe, and I think this is a very, very good uh, distinction between Steve and I, where he would take the big government solution. I proposed um, when we were thinking about doing turning the uh, the uh, the old art museum into a brewery. That we, the community, our church, and um, our church and and, and the uh, Jewish synagogues. To, we, I had a, I formed a huge team of volunteers, and we would. Um, offer the homeless a place to stay at night and provide anything that they needed. And and I think that, that people say, oh, there's no homeless in Aspen. Well you just ride it. Steve knows. I mean he rides a bike path. Um they're all over the place. And it snows when Saint Mary's is not able to house them. You know, so the homeless shelter is open about half the year, but you know it snows in in in, in November and October when it's closed.
3: Steve, would you like to answer that? Questions about sanctuary cities? Yeah,
13: and then how, this, can the city foster
3: Yeah, uh, more, more minorities I, I that live work in I about here?
12: sanctuary cities, and I can tell you, and it was along these lines, that I can tell, I can tell you that personally as a city, uh, Aspen has never and will never stop people um, on the streets and make arrests based on race, religion, skin color, political belief, citizenship, or ethnicity. Um, and while Aspen is not a designated sanctuary city, our values... And our principles have always led us, and I assure you uh, that Aspen Police, as long as I sit in this seat, uh, will not uh, engage in any type of law enforcement uh, that involves federal immigration law. So um, that, and I think that's the best approach to it, as far as opening up to putting on the ballot. It's not something I support because because our, our values because our values lead us here.
3: Curtis, do you have a question for either one of the candidates? I
4: suppose
7: so. Um, <clears throat> got one. Yeah, why don't you go? Ahead? Uh, Lee, have you researched whether SkiCo's ban will apply to you on the other ski properties it's going to acquire at the end of the third quarter?
13: What, no, so what is the question exactly? Have, have I you rese-
7: researched? SkiCo made these big announcements this week that they're. Partnering with KSLI? <laughs> That's uh, fascinating. No, yeah, yeah, on, I, I haven't even on, thought on, about a it. A multitude of other properties. So they're going to be under the ski co umbrella. Have you researched um, the legal implications for you? Does this mean you cannot go to um, a I would ski winter so. park? I would
13: expect so. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I, I honestly, um, I would hope that the ski co and I could sing kumbaya someday. I mean, right, Steve. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, I am. I have made mistakes. I have asked the crowns for forgiveness. So it's it's in their ballpark.
7: But if you're elected mayor, um, what happened with the, the ACRA, um, uh forum, which has been moved? Um, oh right, to right. To the Gantt. Right. Oh, was that uh, at the Gantt now? Yeah, well, it's I think... at the Gantt next Thursday. <laughs> Carolyn's also moderating that one. Okay. So um, I think it but...
13: would be awesome because there's like 199 other people banned from APSHA, right? You know, that well, if I the haven't... mayor of Aspen, I mean, how in line of, with our history, with Hunter S. Thompson, if the mayor of Aspen is banned from the own his own housing department, uh-huh. I think that would be beautiful and poetic.
7: But would it be functional, Lee?
13: I I'm mean... teasing. Uh, I think that, uh, look, um, there... The housing department, people don't know, they're city employees. Um, so I hope, you know, look, I'm all about kumbaya. I'm all about loving your neighbor. I think we can, we can just say that was politics and move on. And, and Rick, you, you of all people know that that, that uh, altercation, you know, or that discussion occurred in the bar section of heather's down in basalt with the with the
7: uh you're you talking know, about the aperture with have the, the
13: Apsha uh,
7: I, I wasn't there um but
13: yeah no that that was in the bar section and he he waited the funny thing is that happened on a friday uh, over art uh basalt and uh the second fridays and then he waited until after this meeting with the mayor and uh, to report it on monday four days later call the police at Fort
3: you know Nobody really knows what you're talking about, and and it's not. We don't Rick have enough does. time to for the for everybody who's watching and the people who are going to vote. I think we should move on to, you yes, know,
13: ma'am. substantive issues. Yes, ma'am. For the city, so city manager did ban me, you know, so.
3: Right.
4: Question for Steve: um, Is it fair that the city gets to build a 47 foot tall building while the rest of the commercial zones districts have been downs to 28 feet?
12: <laughs> is it fair? Yeah. Or how is that fair was ask me your question again Curtis the zoning part of it when the rest of the when the downtown core has been zoned down downtown
4: zone. core all, all the surrounding um, parcels that are available for the public to develop you can only go 28 feet the city just approved a building that's 47 feet tall yeah is that fair
12: well it's the 47 feet is misleading
4: how is it misleading
12: the, it, The way things are measured, and you'll have to turn to the ComDev Department to explain this better than I can, Curtis, but it's not as if there's a 47-foot wall that's going up. Also, the zone district in which this building is being uh, built uh, has has different zoning. And um, like many other private sector projects, uh, this project happened to get into the pipeline, rightly or wrongly, uh, prior to the change in the land use code. So if we're going to give, uh, if the private sector has rights, the public sector should play by the same rules, but it goes both ways, Curtis.
4: Will it not look like a 47-foot-tall, three-story building when you're standing in the middle of Rio Grande Park?
12: Uh, the architect team has been directed to soften it as much as possible, and we, the, the um, criticism uh, and uh, uh, direction council has given, the scrutiny applied to this building is, if not equal to, it's greater than. Every uh, private sector building that's come through here, uh, I, I'm proud to say, as long as I've sat here, the city, uh, to the best of its ability, walks walks the talk. Uh, there's no cutting corners on this. We've we've spent more money. We've sent the design team back to do to, to do the best we can. And the building itself, while while we, um, for you know, the preference is to build nothing if we could, but there's a matter of uh, fiscal responsibility over the life of buildings. And we found an option we thought uh, best met this, a, small, uh, a small footprint and the, the fiscal um, responsibilities to future generations. I
3: have a question. Uh, it can be directed to both of you, but Steve, you first. And it has to do with back in the 2008, 2009, the city did a bunch of land banking and spent $30 million on a bunch of property that still stays vacant now. Including the BMC West parcel, which was purchased for $18.5 million, which was more than it was worth. And so, one question that's coming in, and you know, what do we do with this property that's just sitting there, empty? Well, it's being rented, but uh, why was the lumber yard site never considered for a city municipal center? It has everything land, parking, known to bring cars into town, and the right. city owns it.
12: Right. Right. It was. All, all, all there are myriad options uh, and they were considered. Uh, the site itself has some uh, benefits. Some of you described city owns it, it's out out of town. On the other hand, uh, having city offices out of town would generate more traffic. It was felt would generate more traffic chips and add more congestion to an already congested corridor. because everybody coming into city hall would be running two trips then, coming out of town and coming back into town. that was part of the, that was part of the reason why.
3: Do you think something should be done with the BMC parcel
12: land? Yeah, it it will be. It's it. Uh, when? <laughs> it's been ten years. Yeah. Well, it was almost. Well, it was land banked. For that reason, that's what land banking is, and that was a policy of the council back in the day. And the what that community at the time, the community this community at that time, while we were seeing this rapid escalation in real estate values, the real estate bubble was expanding, which eventually popped. And uh, it, we were fearful that we weren't going to be able to provide any housing for uh, for the workforce. That makes us unique. And um.
3: Lee, do you want to answer that question about city municipal offices and that land?
13: Yeah, and to the, that question, and then kind of I never got to answer Curtis's, could I just briefly answer that.
3: Which one was that?
13: Um, that was about the forty-five uh, foot city hall Taj Mahal.
3: Yeah. The first question directed so, toward you.
13: So, Sack, um, uh, I think that 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 acreage would be best used for affordable housing, tiny homes. You throw uh, 200 tiny homes on that place. You, the city brings the utilities up right to the lot line, and then and then let the uh, the citizen uh, construct their house. To 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 Curtis's question, uh, City Hall. You know, Steve promises transparency. He promised us uh slow growth and we got neither and you know who the worst offender is the city um all we got to do is look right over here um at the proposed city taj mahal and it's actually larger than the art museum now that's what makes people so angry steve is because the city says one thing and, and 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 like you know
12: these politicians—they say one thing and then you do another. Lee go um, continue your thought though. What, what are the options? The city, the city, the city. Uh, what, the are the option, what are the options?
13: What are the options for the city? The options are: we had this old art museum, you know, and you thought about putting a brewery in there. Yeah. Meanwhile, we rented out all those offices for what over three point seven bil- million. Burt yeah. Bert Myers said, and 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 the fact was, you remodeled, and we got to give that space up, but. Honestly, Steve, I deal with the bureaucracy a lot. Yeah, if, if they don't need to be in a fancy, you know, new building,
12: you know, th- th- they already have so much power. Yeah, it's good. I understand what your point, Lee. When you sit in these seats, uh, you're responsible to the public, and um, cherry-picking facts to prove a point isn't a luxury council members have. Now, one council member, you you referenced Bert. That's Bert's favorite thing to do. He he gives he gives half stories that. That serve his interest.
13: That's a public servant, though. He is a public servant, please, and please. he pours over that stuff, please. and he asks questions, and then you pounce on him.
10: No,
12: please. Please, but continue the thought. You have to think over. Is
10: is
3: the 47 foot tall building fair? No. Okay. That's the right. that's the answer. There's here's another question to both of you, and then we're going to go to a rapid fire round, and then we'll be done, because it's this all this fun is almost over. Parking question: As mayor. Will you lead the city to provide more parking spaces rather than remove spaces, as the city has been doing in recent years?
13: So, hey, go ahead. Um, I will. The, the mayor's newest proposal—that he said he talked to the community. He said he talked to uh, Charles, uh, the Charles Cuniff, which uh, has offices on the block. And then he talked to the hex, and he talked to the CEO of the Aspen Art Museum. That was the community input. And he wants to close, he wants to call it a uh, pedestrian friendly or a uh, uh, pedestrian pathway, close a couple more blocks, which is right near City Market, and remove about 100 parking spaces. Now, the people that I hear at church and, 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 and whatnot, they're frustrated they can't even get a parking space now. So turning in the, extending that, that, that mall way to a coronation, Right there at the Aspen Art Museum to close in two blocks I don't think that that is is, is going to give parking spaces back to the community it's just going to close them
12: what's the question Carol the question
3: is uh, would you,
7: you build as mayor parking? will
3: you lead the city to provide more parking spaces rather than removing them as you've been doing in the recent years
12: my goal is to leave the transit landscape forever changed by building on technologies that are not reliant on more lanes and more parking garages in town.
4: What do you say to people who would be concerned about losing parking spaces on two blocks of Hyman yeah. if your extended mall proposal yeah. were to be implemented?
12: Yeah, I never said parking, parking spaces had to go away. What I talked about was a complete streets concept. What I want to do is extend the Hyman Mall two blocks to the east, where it now stops at the Ute Mountaineer near Burberry, Montclair. I want to bring it two blocks to the east to the art museum. And what we would have there would be an arts and culture corridor. They'll be filled with shops and restaurants and vitality that doesn't now exist. The street itself wouldn't be identical to the mall because those malls are historic and we can't simply mimic them. We'd create a, we'd create a new mall uh, for today's needs and what I envision is this complete streets concept where a street serves many user groups. Not just Not just parking and it would include parking and then the community conversation would be around what type of parking is there. Maybe we get. Maybe it's around eliminating uh, combustion engine parking. We go to electric vehicles. Whatever, because I think it's res- the responsibility of a community like this one uh, to um, to uh, deliver the future. Because we're built on a set of principles here, and, it, and that, that's that's what we're talking about.
7: Okay. War cars.
12: <clears throat> Rapid fire. Yeah, and, and this will
7: play off that a little bit. There, there was quite the outcry uh, last year on the. Uh, council agreed to to raise the the parking rates on a pilot program during the high seasons Um, and here we are it's uh still 50 percent higher than it was um lee and steve would you all consider returning those rates to what they were beforehand um or do you want to keep them where they are now yes sir percent higher
13: yes sir return them
7: you would and why
13: because it really pisses me off that I have to pay $1.50 for 15 minutes. Did and I heard a lot of flack in the neighborhood when I walk indoors. Mm-hmm. Steve,
12: uh, You're right, Rick. Um, it was onerous. It was it placed a burden on people parking in the downtown core, um, and we took political heat for that. Uh, I took it. Uh, my fellow council member Ann Mullins took it, and so did Art daily. Uh, but it was the right thing to do? Because it worked and our goal was to keep a parking space or two parking spaces open in the core during the busiest periods because the previous summer and the summer before that and the summer before that and the summer before that uh we are drowning in cars here and the angst in this community and the pollution it's generating made it miserable to be in the downtown core so uh the council again the guts of my fellow council members Ann and Art and I stood up to do what was right not what was popular or easy Mm-hmm. And we instituted uh, a transportation alternative. We raised the rates. It was a carrot and a stick program. It was called the Drive Less program. We raised rates as the stick. In return, we used the increase in parking revenue, which was 150, approximately $150,000 to $200,000, and we went to pay for. Alternatives to cars. One of them was the Downtowner, which has proven to be immensely popular. In addition to that, we gave away free recycle passes, free rafta passes, free bike tunes, and a a host of other things. Bottom line is, it worked. We took the political heat. We didn't. We did not what was easy or popular. We did what was right, and it worked for this community.
7: Well, Steve, a lot of times, um, and and I hear what you're saying, but life happens to people, and and sometimes one has to drive their car into town, be damned. Right. Um, and they might need to park for longer than four hours in the city You can no longer park in the downtown core for more than four hours a day And that can make it difficult for somebody who has to be at the doctor right. get their kids right. or whatever. I mean We talk about creative solutions. Is that really a creative Rick, one, of, solution? One, of the,
12: one of the options? One of the options we offered was uh, less expensive parking at the parking garage where there are generally spaces available uh, parking in the garage, by the way, is f- one of the other things we do is make it free after five pm. So during business hours, if you had to come down, the parking garage is exactly what two blocks from the downtown core. Yeah, it's not quite as convenient as parking immediately in front of the door you want to park at when you have a restaurant reservation. or I understand you need to run your kids into the pediatrician. Mm-hmm. I, I get that. It is. there's trade-offs we have to, we have to make in this town, and we do our best um, to juggle all these value propositions. But thank you. You're absolutely right. That goes to the rapid-fire round. You've got
3: a couple minutes to ask your quick minutes, questions. So. Yep.
4: Well, this was, uh, this was one of Rick's originally, but I think it's a good question, so I'm going to ask it. What trait do you find most admirable about your opponent?
13: Oh. He's very well-spoken. <laughs>
12: <laughs> thank you. Lee, very much. And Curtis, your very first question to me was something about interaction with Lisa. Oh, there you go. Thanks, Lee. Uh, yeah, one thing I love about Lee, I commented on the handsome cowboy hat. Um, Lee always treats me cordially in private, and he has that uh, Western Texas drawl that I think is fantastic. Well,
13: Steve, but how do you want me to treat you in private?
12: <laughs> like, I have to do business with you. Do you want me to be mean? As, as, as opposed to um, with hostility, like corruption, all that nonsense in, in public. But the but question those
13: was. Are, those are things I believe, but I still doesn't mean I can't shake your hand, and we're just gonna. We have to handle business, and that's what I love. Good.
3: Grenade in one hand, handshake in the other. <laughs> What's that? Grenade in one hand, handshake in the other. Yes, ma'am. I would ask the same question you guys asked of the council. What's the biggest blight in town?
12: I mean, uh, I said earlier um, we uh, we are drowning in automobiles. And we have to address it. Lee.
13: Uh, I agree with him, but because everyone expected me to say the art museum, but uh, no, I actually think that sugar uh, Bond's architecture is amazing. Um, but no, I agree with you, Steve. Yeah. Good.
3: Okay. Well, that's all the time we've got. So thank you, candidates, for good. coming and doing this. and Aspen Times, Aspen Daily News, Grassroots, and you can watch this online at Aspen well, you know, uh, you know, GrassrootsAspen.org. Look it up. Google it.
2: <laughs> Thanks, dude. Here we sit across the table from each other, a thousand miles from both our mothers, barely old enough to rust. Here we sit. And in both our hearts are anchored, taking candy from these strangers amidst the diesel and the dust. And here we sit, singing words nobody taught us, drinking fire and spitting sawdust, trying to teach ourselves to breathe. We haven't yet. Every chorus brings us closer. Every flyer and every poster gives a piece of what we need. And the sand that they call cocaine costs you twice as much as gold. You'd be better off to drink your coffee black. But I swear the land, it'll listen to the stories God bless the busted boat that brings us back. Tradition only, lessons never learned, not Grassroots
0: never... Community Network's 2017 Aspen City Council candidate and election coverage is made possible by a grant from the Thrift Shop of Aspen, where your donations and purchases of clothing and other personal items supports dozens of nonprofits throughout the Roaring Fork Valley.
1: Underwriting for Grassroots ProBlind series of in-depth candidate discussions is provided by ANB Bank Aspen, a bank like no other, with the strength, talent, commitment and security to fulfill their business and personal customers' financial needs.
0: A special thanks to Aspen Journalism for partnering with Grassroots on ProBlind because well-informed citizens make better decisions. Discover more local in-depth investigative journalism at aspenjournalism.org. It is simple to join these local institutions in supporting grassroots programming. Click the Donate button on your next visit to grassrootsTV.org. You can watch this program and thousands of other grassroots programs online at grassrootsTV.org, as well as on cable channel 12, Up Valley, cable channel 82, Down Valley, and free TV channel 12.1, over the Picken County translator system.
1: Or find a podcast of this discussion and many other informative and inspiring local presentations by clicking the iTunes or SoundCloud icons at the top of grassrootstv.org homepage.